Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Hello, hello. How is everyone? Awesome. Great. I'm going to take a picture of this so I can send it to OU so they can give us a bigger room. How's that sound? Oh, man. Y'all are pretty. Hey, did everyone have a good Christmas break, huh? Anybody still kind of recovering, right? Like, oh, I got a schedule now, (laughs) right? Um, Did everybody eat enough? It's like you got to gain at least five pounds every Christmas break. That's like the holy thing to do, right? Uh, Did anyone sleep? Cool. Uh, Get caught up on Netflix? Now listen, let me just kind of say something here. Um, you know that you watch too much Netflix when you go on Christmas break and you are just scrolling because you've watched everything during the school year when you should have been studying. Amen? Anybody with me? Right? My goodness. Anybody get in a new relationship? I saw some of y'all's hands go like extra low, Right? <laughs> Hey, we got any single people out here? Come on now. Raise them up. Raise them up. Fellas, you're welcome. Merry Christmas, all right? Listen, the girls in here, they want, oh, y'all got quiet. All right, what? The girls in here, they want you to come and talk to them. Amen, right? Don't, don't DM them. Don't try to figure out their phone number. Don't try to text message them. Don't try to talk through a friend, through a friend, through a friend, right? Man up. Amen. Everybody say man up. Give them a smile and say, hey, what's you doing Thursday? Like, I want, I want to take you out to coffee, get to know you a little bit. No strings attached. It's not like I'm, like, asking to marry you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, and ladies, listen. The worst that can happen is you get a free coffee of the deal. Amen? Okay. See, hey, fellas, you hear the amen? Because they want to be asked. My goodness. Listen, who's excited for the uh, relationship series in two weeks? Come on now. It's going to be going to be epic. All right, let's pray it up. Father, you are already here and we know it. Father, you are already here and we can feel it. And I ask you first and foremost just to protect this room as we just dive into your word. And Lord, I just ask for your spirit just to illuminate this text. Just touch someone's heart tonight. Let us just learn more about you. Maybe for some of us, we can enter into a relationship with you. Uh, Lord, let tonight just be powerful. Let us void out all distractions. Let us not think about our worries. Let us not think about our fears. Let us not think about school. Let us not think about any distractions. Let us tonight, just for a moment, be able to just lean into what you want to say to us. For your name, amen. So tonight, I just want to ask a for real question. And I want you to be honest, not only with yourself, but I want you to be honest between you and Jesus with this question. And it's simply this. What does your faith in Jesus produce? Maybe you've prayed the prayers. Maybe you've gone to vacation Bible school if you're extra holy, right? If you're even extra holier than that, you went to False Creek, anybody? Okay. 
That's where all the real Christians go, amen? (laughs) Maybe you know the Bible backwards and forwards, but at the end of the day, if you're honest with yourself and you're honest with Jesus, what does your faith in Jesus really produce? Students, if I can come at this, at this sermon with this direction, all right? I want you to know that where my heart is with this is that I'm not coming at you. I'm coming with you and understanding that I am an older gentleman, amen, all right? I'm an older guy that has, I believe, has failed a lot in my life at certain aspects, but I feel that I have missed the mark on many things, especially when it comes to living in my faith, because I think that I thought I was living in my faith when really I was being ruled by my fear. And as we're going to see tonight, I'm going to kind of try to keep this just a little simple here, is as we're going to see tonight, we're going to see how faith is exposed and what our faith should produce. We're going to be looking in the Gospel of Matthew tonight in chapter 14, and we're going to see his account of Jesus walking on water in Matthew chapter 14. Everybody I know that has your Bible with you today. 14 verse 22, and it says this, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him on the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went upon the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and it said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw him, he saw, when, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, "Lord, save me!" And Jesus immediately reached out of his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, "O oh, you little of little faith, why do you doubt?" And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and the boat worshipped him, saying, "Truly, you are the Son of God." See, I love this story, and this story has spoken to me for for many years. It's kind of been somewhat of a guide for my life, and I don't know if y'all are like me when you were a little kid and you tried to really test your holiness in the public pool, right? I remember saying, dear Jesus, if you can just let me walk on water, I swear I can save all these people for your name, right? And I'm like, and I take a step, and it was like instantly like, you know, I'm like an anchor, guys, like... And it's even worse now that I got the dad bod. Like, there's no buoyancy on this body. I can't float on my back. I can't float on my stomach. It's like other people can tread, and like I'm like a cat in the water, like trying to like talk to people. It's embarrassing. It really is embarrassing. But the reality of this story is simply this: Jesus is already king, and this story might be a story that you have heard all of your life. It might be the story that you've heard for the very first time, but it is somewhat of a faith tester. And as faith puts it in Hebrews, 
It's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. See, faith is simply this, trusting Jesus over everything else. See, faith is the fundamental key to the king. Faith is where is the key to your relationship with Jesus. Religion doesn't get you to Jesus. Your good looks don't get you to Jesus. Your kind acts and how nice you are doesn't get you in a relationship with Jesus. The only way to have a relationship with Jesus is to have faith that he is the son of God who came and died for your sins and he rose on the third day to conquer all those sins. But see, faith doesn't only save you from your eternity, it also saves you from your temporary. He didn't only come to save your life, he came to give you life and give it more abundantly. That's faith. Faith is a big deal to Jesus. That's why the author of Hebrews says in chapter 11, verse 6, and without faith, everybody say without faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let's not forget that passage. Let's make that a passage, a permanent reminder in our minds that today I'm supposed to live in faith where I trust in Jesus more than I trust in anything else. And without faith, it is impossible to please life. See, Jesus' plan for our life is simply this. Have faith in him, period. And I believe that this story kind of illustrates kind of the process of faith. If we could just kind of dive in and we can kind of look, like, look at what faith can be exposed with and what faith is supposed to uh, produce. And I want you to think, man, if faith is such a big deal to Jesus, I want to make sure that my faith is where Jesus wants it to be. So the story starts off with the disciples they get done helping Jesus, feeding the, the 5,000 people with what seems to be like a Lunchable, all right? Do they even make Lunchables anymore, right? You're like, yeah, that's what I live on in ramen noodles, right? But it was a couple loaves of bread, and it was a couple fish, and they fed 5,000 people, and Jesus said, all right, we're done, let's go, and he's rushing them into the boat saying, hey, get into this boat. He's holding it in the water. He's like, jump in, and Jesus like pushes them into the water and now listen back in these days they didn't have like twin turbo 350 like engines in the back of their ships where they can get across the sea in like 4.5 seconds all right they actually had like row 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 their boat gently down the stream all right and and if you sail then it's the same as if you sail now there's something there's a gigantic element that you always have to be aware of the weather now, I am no meteorologist, but I can presume while Jesus was rushing his disciples into the boat, just because of kind of the timeline of this story, I can probably tell you that these disciples were able to predict that, was, that there was going to be a storm. So when getting into the boat, I'm sure they could see the, the clouds in the sky. I'm sure that there was already a little bit of wind in their face. And I'm sure that they could have been able to be aware that the storm was coming. Now, when walking up to the boat, you know, I'm a little bit of a pessimist. Anybody with me? It's not a godly thing, but I, I do kind of like think a little bit negatively. It's something I have, I have to pray about. Dear Jesus, be with me. But I just wondered, like, when you're walking into the boat and you see the storm coming, like, 
I wonder out of the side of their eye, did they see the other boats? Everybody say other boat. Because they saw Jesus' boat and the way that, you know, they knew that Jesus wanted them to get into this boat. But I wonder if they just saw the other boats out of the, out of the corner of their eye that was kind of pulled up on shore that probably had the canopy over so they wouldn't get rain in their boat. And it was probably nice and anchored to a big boulder so it wouldn't float away. And I, I just kind of wondered, like, I wonder if they saw the other boat. Now, students, is it just me? Or are there two boats to every decision that we ever make in this world? There's the boat that Jesus is holding, and he's saying, hey, hop in, let's go. It's ready for you to go, and he's going to shove us out into the water. But isn't there another boat that just is kind of the safe, tied up to the anchor, looks a little more comfortable boat? See, my... My question, students, is if you could evaluate, let's not, let's not do a lifespan. Let's just evaluate over the past couple months your faith. Can we say that we hopped into the boat that Jesus was holding and that he was sending out, or do we think that we took the more comfortable route over the last couple months? Because what boat you jump into exposes where your faith is in Jesus Christ. You either jump into the boat with Jesus. Now, for most in this room, I truly believe that a lot of us, we want to jump in the boat with Jesus. We, we, want, we know that Jesus has a plan for us. We know that Jesus has called us to do something, and we want to get on board with it. We want to walk with it. We want to thrive in it. But at the reality of tonight, if you can be just alone with your thoughts and alone with Jesus, most of us in this room, we don't walk in our faith, but we walk in our fear and we get into the other boat if we're honest with ourselves. We so desperately want to jump into that boat daily, but most of the time we jump in the other boat. And this is why. Because we see the storm ahead. Even before we make the decision of which boat we're going to jump into, we can see what trouble is going to lie ahead. If I jump into what God is calling me to do right now, if I start being the person that God wants me to do right now, I can see the wind, I can see the rain, I can see that it's going to be hard, right? And students, I wish I could tell you this. I wish I could tell you that walking and talking and living for Jesus is going to be the easier way in life. I wish I could be a prosperity preacher and say, you know what? If you just start living for Jesus, your pockets are going to be full. I wish I could say that you're going to get a mansion. I wish I could say you could get a wife. What? Amen. Hallelujah. You're going to get a wife. Let's be honest. You're good looking guys out here, right? Okay. I wish I could say all those things. I wish I could say that your life was going to be easier. But I can't. Because it's not honest. And because like many of us know, if you jump into the boat with Jesus, it's going to be harder 100% of the time. If Jesus is calling you to do something, it's going to be a little difficult for you. It's going to be a storm that is going to disrupt your pattern of life. And here's the kicker, is that we know it. We know if we choose the way of Jesus in our life, we're going to lose some control of our life. And that's the reason why we don't jump into it. 
Now, if I could just kind of give an example. This, this, is, this was an example that Jesus told me to talk about. And it's a decision that we all have to make when there's two boats exposed. If I can give an example, it's simply this. Reading, learning, and living the Word of God. Simple, right? You know, I read the Bible, Brent, right? I got it tattooed on my arm. I'm super holy, bro. My question to you is, college students, because I was a college student once as well, how many of us are actually reading until it means something, learning until it changes something, and living like we're reflecting more of Jesus than ourselves? See, God brought this up to me, and it was just so apparent, and I was so aware of it, because God was kind of showing me that Christians today are growing weaker because we are becoming spiritually malnourished. And the reason why we are being spiritually malnourished is because we are not being fed in the Word of God like we should do. Do we know that we're supposed to be reading and learning and living the Word of God? Yes. Do we see Jesus saying, please just get to know me more? Yes. But what else do we see? We see the storm associated with if we did do this. Well, if I did start reading and learning and listening and making time for and being still and knowing that you are God and start memorizing the words and hide that word in, 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 in my heart and so I don't sin against you. If I started learning and maturing in my faith, I know that I would have to actually start making time for it and our time is important to us because we got a lot of Netflix to watch, right? Man, how holy would you be if you read your Bible as much as you watch Netflix, amen? Instead of spending an hour watching Netflix, why don't you take an hour to get some power, right? Instead of going and hanging out with your friends and all you do is look at your cell phones anyway, why don't you get an hour of power, right? Instead of stringing along that guy that you've been stringing along with for the past couple months, why don't you get an hour of power learning and living and breathing and maturing in the Word of God, learning to love Him more, learning how He loves you, starting to feel the holy hug every single day. Let Him empower you. Let Him strengthen you. Let Him become the person that you've always wanted Him to be inside of you where you can make a difference in this world. Amen? We know that it would be a struggle. Can I just say a side note here? A lot of people kind of wonder about my side notes, but I like my side notes. You can't hop into the boat with Jesus and still look like this world. It just doesn't work. I think some of us in here, we love Jesus, and we don't look like this world, but I also think that we don't walk in our faith with Jesus. And I think that this is where I kind of was uh, in college. You know, you might not be doing anything wrong. You're just not doing anything right. And this is where I want to tread lightly here because I don't want you to think that we have a works-based faith because our faith isn't based on what we can do, but we do because of what he has already done for us. Amen? 
And our response to Jesus' love for us reflects the faith that we have in Him. And our life is continually choosing our way over Jesus, and it shows how little of faith we really have. Christians, some of you are like, well, this doesn't apply to me. You want me to tell you what trap I fell into more than anything in college? That boat over here, the other boat, to me was labeled just enough boat. And what I did was, uh, is I would get that boat and I would actually tether it out a little bit and I would take it a little farther than just the shallows and I would still have it anchored, but I would still feel a little bit of a storm. And what I mean by that is I would, I would read like my scripture a day to get my check mark or I would go to church and I'd get my check mark or I, I would enter into some conversations just so I could feel like I was holy enough. But what was happening is I wasn't fully surrendering to Jesus and I was able to maintain some of the storm, but I was also able to maintain some of the security. And the reality is, is when I slept, at night when I would lie in my bed awake and I, and I was just alone with Jesus, Jesus would say, you're still not living by faith. You're still living for yourself. I can tell you this, students. Anytime that you truly hop into the boat with Jesus, he's always going to push you to deeper waters. And this is what that means. Is that this is the litmus test for some of, some of us is that when you hop in a boat with Jesus, he's always going to push you to the deep. If your faith has not gotten any deeper or stronger in the past three months, I can pretty much tell you what boat you've been getting into. Amen? Can I get an amen? Do we say amen anymore? I love you guys. Our faith can be exposed by what, ju- what boats you're jumping into, but the story doesn't stop there. They hopped into the boat, and Jesus pushed them into the deep. But then, really, what he was doing was he was pushing them into the storm, right? Now, you're telling me that Jesus knew that they were going to encounter a storm before he pushed them into it? Well, yeah, he's Jesus, duh, right? But students, this is a big deal to note here. Jesus is the one who sent them off into the storm because many of us believe that when troubles hit or when hard times come, we always say, well, it's the devil. Am I right? Well, the devil is putting me through this. The devil is causing this hard time. Why is the devil allowing this to happen to me? Have you ever thought that it could be Jesus? Troubles are going to come. Now, some of us We can cause our own storms in our life, amen? We don't need any help from the devil, and we don't need any help from Jesus, right? Anybody ever cheated on a test and got caught for it, amen? Okay, no one's one's honest or you're all honest, amen? Nothing like getting caught cheating. What about this? Who in here has ever got a speeding ticket, right? Were your parents very happy about that? Got yourself in a little pickle there, didn't you? Here's the big one. Who here has ever got caught gossiping about somebody and had a big old stinky foot stuck in your mouth, right? Been there about a twice, right? <laughs> See, there are some storms in our own life that we can create, and we don't need any help from anything else. But the reality is, is that there are some storms in our life that I think Jesus pushes us into. 
And see, Jesus pushes them into a storm, and the waves hit the boat, and the wind smacks their face, and something happens. In Matthew chapter 14, 26, it says, And when they saw him, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out in fear immediately, and he spoke to them, saying, Do not be afraid. Students, how do we react when we're in the middle of something and we can't necessarily see or hear Jesus clearly in the middle of it? Because how we react in our storm reflects how, how and what faith that we have in Jesus. And maybe Jesus has you in a storm right now and he's exposing what type of faith that you have in Jesus or not. See, here's, this is what's crazy about this story. Anytime that I, I, I try to read and teach the Word of God, I try to get all the, the passages that have an account of the same story. And the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, um, and John actually carry this story into it. And they all say the same story, but they say it from a different perspective. And when reading the Gospel of Mark's accounts, I noticed something that blew me away. It actually shook me a little bit. And Mark 6.48 is going to be on the screen here. And he says this, And he saw them, and they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came by them, walking on the sea. You reading the next line? And he meant to pass them by. He meant to pass by them. And I was like, wait, what? Like, Jesus saw them in their pain. He saw them in the storm. He saw them while they were going through it. They were in the middle of it. In the Gospel of Mark, it says, and he meant to pass them by. Jesus was just going to walk right past them? I was like, golly. I mean, that, that, kind of, that kind of rocked me a little bit. I was like, what's going on there? Students, many of us, Sorry, let me go back a little bit. What made them stop? What made Jesus stop when he was passing them by? Because there is a little human involvement when it comes to this whole relationship with Jesus. Jesus was going to pass them by until they cried out to him. See, students, many of us are going through a hard time in our life right now, and Jesus, being the author and the sustainer of faith, he's actually walking by us, and he's walking to the other side of our storm, but he doesn't stop until that you call out for him. Now listen, I have a two-year-old son. His name is Revan James Russell. And the dude's swag, all right? The dude looks like a linebacker. He's already about this big, all right? He's two years old. And the dude eats like the healthiest food ever. It's crazy. You, you look at him you're like, well, you're kind of chunky. Well, he eats only fruits and vegetables. It's crazy. And his favorite food is like cucumber. And we don't slice it up. We don't do anything. He eats it like just like a pickle. And I'm telling you, he's like, hey, Dad. Like just all over his face. And like I'm not exaggerating. He eats at least one full cucumber a day. Like so we're starting a budget fund for Revan's Cucumber. Like, seriously, it gets expensive up in here. But when he runs out of cucumbers, like, he whines like a baby, all right? Like, I need some more cumber, Dad. I need some more cumber. I'm like, okay. And, like, I can hear him in the other room. Like, he still whines about it. He's like, Dad, like, I still need cucumber. I'm hungry. I need something, right? 
I'm like, whatever. I'm like, he's fine, right? But there's another voice. Uh, we went to the park a couple months ago, and we were playing chase, and I was chasing him, and he was chasing me. Lasted about two and a half minutes because dad bod, got, got a little tired. And I said, go play with the other kids. And I went and I sat by the parents. I was chatting with all the house moms because it was like, you know, it was, dad, it was my babysitting day and I was just there being a house mom. It was great. But what I noticed is, is as we were talking, I heard Revan. And Revan was like, Dad? Dad, like, like he was panicked because I could tell just in the manner of which he was asking and saying my name, I could tell that he thought that I wasn't there anymore. And what happened was, is I, I silenced the ladies. I was like, I'm here, I'm here. And I made sure that I was loud enough that he could hear me. And then I went and I positioned myself to where he could see me so he could know that I wasn't there, that I was still there. He's like, okay, Cumber, right? Like, <laughs> just kidding. I don't even know why I said that. Gosh, I'm going to ruin my point. Come on now. Students. We have to learn to call out on the name of the Lord because He promises that He's going to be there. You receive not because you ask not. Jesus is right there. He's walking beside you. And I promise you right now that you are in the middle of something and Jesus wants to help you. All you have to do is call out to Jesus. And it says here, and immediately He answered them and they silenced their fear. See, when we call out to Jesus, he will respond. But see, it doesn't stop there. Jesus calms their, fear, their fears by saying, well, it is I. But what does Peter do then? Well, Lord, if that is you, then command me to go to you, to come to you. Jesus says, come. Now, when looking at this question like, Jesus, if that is really you, I mean, it almost sounds like Peter is doubting a little bit whether that is Jesus or not. But my question to you is, I don't know if you can answer this, but when was the last time that you were stuck in an impossible situation and you asked Jesus to command you to do something impossible? It doesn't sound like someone who had little faith. It sounded like someone who had some great faith. See, what you don't take account here is there were 12 disciples on that boat, right? How many of them asked Jesus to command them to do something? Only one. Others were stuck in their fear. Many of us would have said, Jesus, you know what? If it is you, why don't you calm the seas? Why don't you calm the storms? You know what, Jesus, why don't you come to me, right? Why don't you silence everything? Why don't you be Jesus and just make it stop? But Peter doesn't say that. Peter says, I know the storms are happening. I know that this is an impossible situation. But Lord, I know that it is you, and I ask you to command me to do something in your life. Jesus, come, says Jesus. Peter steps out of the boat. He's like, heck yeah, killing it, right? Gets his Instagram, like, make sure he has his coffee mug because that makes you extra holy, right? Make sure it's on, on you know, get a thousand likes. I'm just kidding. So he's walking out, he's walking towards Jesus, 
And then he starts noticing something. The waves start hitting his face. And he starts getting in fear. And he actually starts sinking. And what does he do? He cries out to Jesus, save me. See, now when this happens, Jesus reaches down and, you know, he might have pushed his head underwater and said, you need to have a little more faith next time, right? A lot of us feel like Jesus is like, okay, well, you should have done better, right? Maybe, maybe some of us think that Jesus grabbed him and like turned around to the boys and said, see, this is what you're not supposed to do, boys, right? This is what a, a non-faithful person looks like, right? Some of us think that Jesus is kind of a judging God, but that's not what happens here. Jesus immediately snatches him up and says, why did you have any faith at all? Why did you have such little faith? Why did you doubt? Now, here's the turn for many of us. Peter had very strong faith to even get out of the boat. He even had enough faith to know of all the endangerments of walking out onto that sea. He knew the consequences of getting out of the boat and into the wind and into the, the rain, but Peter, just like every human on this planet now and every human in this Bible, we are always, our faith will always deplete at some point in our walk when the waves roar and our fear takes over. See, this is what this story is about. The story is not about the faith of Peter and his ability to walk on the water. The story is about the grace of Jesus Christ and his love for his children. Because even in our moments of weakness and our fear, he is there to snatch us up and save us from our fear and set our feet back on sturdy ground. See, students, notice here, this story's about Jesus. The story's not about Peter. But see, the storm didn't just cease until what? Until Jesus and Peter got back on the boat. Now, this is kind of my interpretation. I might have a little, a little lean on this, but I just wondered, why didn't the storm cease at the moment that Jesus reached and snatched him up? I think Jesus didn't calm the storm in Peter's life because Jesus wanted to make sure that Peter knew that Jesus was the King of Kings and Jesus was the Lord of Lords and that Jesus could, could help Peter get up and Peter could still walk and he could walk beside Jesus and he could hold on to Jesus and he could learn to trust Jesus more and more and, and, even, and Jesus could still love them no matter what. Because only by the grace of Jesus do we have faith in Jesus. Jesus doesn't only leave us in our fears. He didn't just leave Peter out there sinking in the water. He snatched him by his grace. See, Peter knew that if he just could get closer to Jesus, Jesus would save him. Students, our fear of failing in things or failing in our faith and not being able to handle the storms in our life should never keep us in the boat because even when you are walking to be closer with Jesus, he will always help you. He will always lift you up. He will always build into your faith because Jesus never fails and greater is the Savior than in this world than anything that you could fail in. Students, what boat you get into exposes what type of faith that you have in Jesus. 
how you weather in the storms exposes your faith in Jesus. But what does your faith supposed to produce? Matthew 14, says, those in the boat, as soon as all this happened, those other disciples in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. See, our decision on following and trusting Jesus might expose our faith, but the reality of is when we fall under the grace of Jesus, even when we sin, even when we fall short, even when we are imperfect, even when we struggle in this, even when we don't do everything perfect, we ultimately will always be picked up by the faith and the trust and the love of Jesus Christ. And anytime that Jesus pulls you through the storm, anytime that Jesus saves you from the wreckage of your life, even when the worst possible thing happen to you and Jesus saves you, guess what happens? You look back and you say, my goodness, Jesus saved me, and you fall down in your worship. Your faith always should produce worship. Now, just a really cool thing that, that I noticed when studying the scripture is that in the gospel of John, which is a, a, a personal story from Peter to John telling him about the personal account of what really happened, um, is that the book of John talks about uh, the storm. The book of John talks about Jesus walking on water. And the book of John talks about the disciples crying out to them. And then the book of John talks about Jesus getting in the boat and calming the storm. Now this is Peter's own personal account of what happened. Isn't it crazy how when Peter had recounted what happened that day that he didn't even look back at the miracle of him walking on the water, but he looked back and saw the miracle of Jesus calming the storm? Because the real miracle wasn't what Peter did. The real miracle is of who Jesus is. And when we evaluate our faith and we look through all that God has done and all that God is going to do and we see how gracious and loving and, and sustaining Jesus is, I'm telling you, it will always make you fall on your face like these men and you will want to worship the Son of the living God. Students, our faith produces worship when Jesus brings you through the storms of your life. This is what I want to end on with this last sentence. Our faith doesn't make us great for Jesus, but makes Jesus greater for us. Students, I know some of y'all are in a difficult time right now, and I know that some of y'all are struggling, and I'm just asking you right now, learn to live for Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. Let Jesus find you where you are at and let him be able to take you up where you have fallen. We all are going to fall short. We all are going to sin. We all are going to maybe start sinking a little bit and, and losing a little bit of faith, but Jesus is always greater. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we care for you. And this is such a mighty word. Am I it's a word that, that maybe some of us have heard, but maybe a lot of us haven't applied. Lord, you are gracious and you are good and you are always there to be with us. Some of the students in this room, Lord, they maybe never have entered a faith with you. And let them know that if they just simply trust that you are the son of the living God and you came to die on this world for us, and I say, Jesus, I want you to be the Savior 
of my world that they can enter into that relationship with you. And let them be able to rely on you. Let them be able to grow in you. And Lord, when they take steps of faith, when they take steps out of the boat and they start walking closer to you, Lord, I just ask for them to just be diligent in saying, Lord, I need help. And then for you just to come in and help them, Lord. Lord, tonight as we worship just these last couple songs, I ask you just to fill this room. I ask for anybody who, who needs to pray about something to come and pray with our prayer team up front or, or in the middle of the room. And I ask for them just to lay some things down. Let us start this new year off great. Let us start this new school year off right, Lord. Let us become the people that you want us to be. Lord, empower us. Lord, let us be with you. For it's in your name. Amen. If we stand up, let's worship, please.